The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him and on finding him said, everyone is looking for you. He told them, let us go on to the nearby villages that I might preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I know we talked about uh, Jonah two weeks ago and gave a little recap of that. And, and uh, today we have in the first reading we have Job. And Job is a, is a man who suffers tremendously. That's why his name is indistinguishable in writing from the word job. That's a joke, get it? Job, joke, it's suffering, it's toil, it's labor. But, but he has it worse than any of your jobs, don't worry. Job's got it way worse. It, because what it is, it's, it's the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it is uh, the, the, the authors here are trying to communicate, or, try, or they're, they're wrestling with this question about why do we have to suffer? Why do we suffer? And so they come up with the, the, the story is this man, Job, who basically has all the worst things that any individual could suffer through and still live. That's all packed into the story. And so it begins, so there's a couple, I'm going to recap it. I'm going to try to keep this very brief. But it, first of all, it's occasioned by the devil. The devil is going to God and say, yeah, you think that guy, he's so good? Well, let me get, put some suffering in that. He's not going to be, you're not going to be so proud of him then. And God gives the devil permission to try and test Job. And it starts out first with him losing everything that's important to him. His, all all his, his flocks are uh, destroyed or they're carried off. Uh, there's a big lightning storm, fire, and loses all his crops. His kids, he's got a wonderful family. They're all destroyed. They're all together one place. And it, it's really, really bad. And then it happens. There's a second wave that comes through. And then it's on his own person. He has his physical suffering. He's got these boils that he, that he can't eat. Um, he can't even sit down. It's just like tremendous suffering on all levels. But then it gets worse. Because those who should be there to support him turn on him. It starts with his wife. He's, then his wife is saying, why don't you just curse God? And this is all your fault. And all this stuff that's happening. And so you ever want to make somebody suffer a lot? Go to somebody who you should be loving and try not to understand what they're going through and heap on recrimination on top of that. That's what was happening. Don't do that, by the way. 
And then his friends show up and they're, they're just so overcome with grief, they, they spend three days without even saying a word. They're just so, and they just, they're there at his side. But then they also start to lay it on. Come on, you must have been, you must have been sinning really bad. There, this doesn't happen just because to good people. There's, there's got to be, and he's like, no, no, I, I, it's not, I swear. And like one after the other, and then things get really tense between them. So his wife, his friends, everyone is just against him. He's already lost everything. He's physically, he's got all these boils over his skin. It's the worst suffering you can go through. By the way, this is a, 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 a prefiguration of this. So the bulk of the book, about, I don't know, uh, 25 chapters of it's long, read, read through it. This is, this is a great work of literature. It's also inspired, so it's, it's part of the Bible. It's, it's inspired of wrestling with this question, why do we suffer? And after they get through all of their deep soul searching and Job, he's had his soul crushed, basically. And they're doing a lot of questioning God. God, why does this happen? But I thought I was doing it okay and I, I was doing this right and, and it should have been going. And then finally the Lord answers in the last chapters, the last two chapters of the book. He answers twice. And I'll just get an excerpt from one of them. Who is this who darkens counsel with words of ignorance? This is God speaking to, to Job. Oh boy, what a way to start. Gird up your loins now like a man. I will question you and you tell me the answers. Where were you when I founded the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its size? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring line for it? Into what were its pedestals sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Have you ever in your lifetime commanded the morning and shown the dawn its place for taking hold of the ends of the earth? It goes on for quite a while, but you get the gist of it. God is telling Job, you can't possibly understand this. This is, the suffering that you go through is a fruit of my wisdom, knowing how the whole universe comes together, and it's just infathomable, absolutely infathomable. You cannot, under, you cannot understand the plans and designs of God, period. Go suck it up and just like, basically that's what he's telling them. Okay, that's the Old Testament. We're not done there. That's not where the Bible stops, thankfully. But as we, we read it, it's, it's the human. That is one of the human questions that runs across all generations, all religions. It's like, why do we suffer? And they all come up with slightly different reasons. And most of the, most of the other, I, I did a quick... Uh, did some searching, and, and obviously this is, this is from Judaism. Islam has a similar meaning to it, uh, why, why suffering. Buddhism also has a similar, it's kind of like you really can't really get into it, but 
can't really wrap your head around it, but it's there for some mysterious reason, even in, even in Hinduism as well. Christianity has a different response, though, that builds on that. It doesn't cancel it, it builds on it. And we, see, we begin to see it at the beginning of, 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 from the gospel that we just read. Jesus comes, and the very first thing he's doing, he's taking away suffering. He's healing people. He's, their, their illnesses, the first right here was, it was Simon's mother-in-law, and now she's able to serve uh, because now she's healed. There's so many, they're bringing them, hundreds of people are just pouring into the small little town of Capernaum. They're crowding around the door. Other moments, someone gets lowered down in from the ceiling. They rip that apart. He's casting out demons, so it's not just physical suffering he's trying, he's eliminating. It's also this moral suffering that he's eliminating. He's getting rid of it. So what's going on? What's the reason for the suffering? Is it just so God can, so Jesus can like show off like, hey, look what I can do. I can take that away. Well, great. Why don't you like stop it before it happens? And that's sometimes how we feel, right? Couldn't you have caught this before it played out? Physical suffering, moral suffering from other people, the suffering we cause ourselves from our own weaknesses and sins and everything that is part of the fallen human nature that we all have. Unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, think of that line in the context of what's the meaning of human suffering. Unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Another line. No greater love there is than to lay down your life for your friends. He, he's presenting us the key to under, unlocking not just the mystery of understanding so we can, or mystery of suffering so we can understand it, but he's turning it into something redemptive. He's turning it into the pathway of our salvation. Yes, everyone suffers. Nobody is exempt from that. There's amazingly incomprehensible differences in, in the suffering that people go through. I, I don't know why. I don't suffer a ton. Physically, spiritually, I don't. And so sometimes it's, for me, it's like you, you meet some, I meet some people, I'm trying to pastorally counsel them. It's like, I, I cannot, I'm not in your shoes. I, 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 w I don't wish I was, but, uh, but it's like, why, why, is some people, why, are they, why are there such disasters? What we, we don't know. And there's the mystery part. What's God's plan? But all of Christ's suffering all comes together, and this is his complete and total Job moment, the real Job. The first Job is a, is a literary figure trying to amass together. They're trying to say, well, okay, let's tell a story about suffering and try to get to the bottom of it. So we've got to give somebody everything. That was an intuition of what really had to happen. I was speaking with uh, someone recently, and... Um, they were very interested, they're interested in, in becoming Catholic. 
They had not had really much exposure, but it was just like this to, to what Christianity is. But they just had this magnetic pull, like, I, I got to do this. I, I, I just feel different when I walk in a church. And it's just, it's, uh, and, but really almost, almost zero information other than like where, what, a, what a Catholic church is. And I can Google it and find there and go there. And I feel different when I'm in there. And so I was trying to gauge, like, how much did they actually know about Catholicism or Christianity? I'm realized, wait, they didn't. So, so this, uh, she didn't even know what a Bible was. Yes, you can grow up in the world today and not know what a Bible is. And and then I'm re- so I was, oh wow, so because I went and got a Bible and we sat down. Okay, this is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament, and. And the whole, this is all written over a span of several thousand years, and there's oral tradition built into it that, that got written down. And, and we're walking through it like that. And, and then we get to the point where we're, I'm going to show, explain what the New Testament is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first Gospels. And I said, yeah, and this is about the life of Jesus. And, and well, well, who's Jesus? It's like, oh, my gosh. She doesn't even know who Jesus is. Okay, okay. Well, here, here we go. So, so Jesus, he was, the, all the prophecies from the Old Testament, and, and I'm going to, but, but trying to figure out how best to explain, starting from literally from zero, what is Christianity about? Who is Jesus about? And, and we get through, and I explained, okay, he was here, he's preaching, he's fulfilling his prophecies, he's the Messiah, the Savior, and at the uh, and then uh, but the 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 people there the Jews the, the Romans everybody nobody they didn't accept him and so they they crucified him they killed him and there's a there's a crucifix on the on the wall there so I I, I showed her we, we got up and got close to it she could see it and you see there the nails and the the spear and the the spear mark in the side and 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 she said, well why why would they do that but she understood like this is the guy. He's the one, the Savior. And why would it? So we sat back down, and I'm trying to explain, well, it was, it was kind of complicated why they killed him, but, but that, that's how it played out. And I gave some explanations. And then she said, and this, this is for me, that's just so sad that that's how it ends. I pretty much laughed out loud at that moment because I'm thinking, she's going to think I'm stupid for what I'm about ready to tell her. <laughs> Wait, there's more. It doesn't end there. And I'm thinking, okay, how, how do I say this? Like, what? How do you say, like, okay, yeah, he, like, not like everybody else, but this guy actually, yeah, he didn't die. Well, he did die, but then he yeah, came back, but it wasn't like, us coming back and then dying again later, like Lazarus, but rather it's like this new, different, it was a resurrection. And, and I was like, how do I explain that? Do I just blurted it out and tried to say, and I was like, oh, I hope she hangs on for this. And she said, that's amazing. That was her, that was, oh, really? And like all of a sudden, hope and like, just, just kind of like sprung up inside of her, like, oh, okay, okay, it's not done. Now, I think that given the trajectory of what our Lord's been doing in her life, that God has gave her a very special grace to have such a strong intuition, spiritual intuition, that 
Death and suffering cannot be the end. It cannot. It cannot win. There's something existential that tells us that doesn't make sense. That we just suffer and then we get to the end of our life and it's all done. That was the quote we had out of Job there. It's got to the end and, well, we're just going to have to put up with it. Christ comes to show us that this is the narrow path of our salvation. It's not just something we have to put up with. There is meaning to it, and it has to do with the transformation of your soul. And that that's the way we overcome death, through that, when it's united to Him. And that's a whole subject for a whole other 18 homilies. Like, how does that happen? But first of all, we can trust in it. Like, it's not going to, the suffering we have, there is a mini-resurrection that we'll get in this life as we pass through it, as we allow it, if we allow it, if we resist it and we're pushing back against it, saying uh, in, a, in a negative kind of sense, like rejecting it, like, well then, it's not going to have the effect on our soul that it needs. We have to rely on the wisdom of God that He knows exactly why we need this now. From somebody else or from ourselves from Mother Nature, whatever it is. But it's doing something deeply in your soul that we say, Lord, I accept this. Lord, let this be for my salvation. And, and this is when we really level it up. Lord, if you need me to go through this, if you're going to permit me to go through this, please take some suffering off my sister off my mother. Let this be in some way for the transformation of the soul of my, my brother who's far from the faith. That's the offering it up. That's such a simple phrase that we, that we so common in Catholic culture to say, yeah, just offer it up. Okay, well, it gets really deep and it's really, really hard at times. So, Suffering is not meaningless. It's not something that just by God's designs we have to put up with. This, as I said, the narrow path, the heroic path, if you so choose it, choose to accept it, that will save your soul. Will you walk on that path? Will you allow the Lord to lead you? It might feel like this at times. It might look like that at times. But there is not just a small resurrection when you get through the thing right now. But in the ultimate suffering, death, is the real resurrection of your soul and of your body too, when that happens as well. So, Lent's around the corner. As God said to Job, Gird up your loins now like a man. Get ready. Brace yourself. Let's do this. It's going to be so worth it. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.